This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements to help power their copper mine at Olympic Dam in South Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com forward slash critical to find out more. Good morning. I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Tuesday the 28th of February. In your Squiz today, cybersecurity in the spotlight, a deadly boat crash in Italy, a year on from the Lismore floods, and awards season continues. This is your Squiz today. Claire, it's fair to say that most Aussies were either personally affected or knew somebody affected by the massive cyber attacks on Medibank and Optus customer data last year. And yesterday, the Albanese government said it was examples like those that showed Australia needs an overhaul of our cybersecurity strategy. PM Anthony Albanese says we're playing catch-up when it comes to cyber defence. Yeah, and he led a roundtable discussion with leading experts uh, from the private sector but also from within the government uh, along with business leaders yesterday to focus on what he called practical, useful and adaptable cybersecurity strategies. He says that it's a priority for his government. Uh, He also pointed to the rising threat of online attacks and says that it means that there's potential that future crimes could hit government business and individuals. And he said that the situation is a rapidly evolving threat and for too many years Australia has been off the pace. So that's what the government is looking to do, Claire, and it has a pretty lofty goal. Albanese and Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill want to put Australia on course to become the most cyber-secure nation by 2030. That means an overhaul to the $1.7 billion cybersecurity plan that was left by the Morrison government. And what it involves is establishing a new cybersecurity office and hiring a coordinator who will sit within the Department of Home Affairs. And the idea is that they'll have powers to protect Australians during attacks. Uh, O'Neill said that Medibank and Optus, those attacks showed that there's a framework that's set up to help government manage cyber incidents. She says that it's broken. Uh, so there was talk about updating that legislation to allow the government's security agencies to intervene and even take over when hackers are running amok. Uh, That's something that parts of the business sector in the past have said that they're not keen on. But the plan has received some support from the industry and the Coalition's cybersecurity spokesman James Patterson also indicated his support for strengthening the laws. But he did say that the government is moving too slowly given the events of last year. As for when this will all happen, the government needs to get cracking. It wants to hire the cyber coordinator by next month and implement the full plan by the end of the year. There's been another migrant boat tragedy in Europe, Claire. At least 59 people have died, and that includes 12 children, after a wooden boat that took off from Turkey crashed into rocks off Italy's southern coast in rough weather. 
Authorities say that there were between 150 and 200 people from Afghanistan, Iran and other nations who were on board that boat when it broke up. Uh, And it's thought that there are about 20 to 30 people who are still missing at sea. Italian Prime Minister Giorgia Maloney uh, said that she felt very, very sorry about the deaths, but she's blamed human traffickers for offering people uh, who are escaping war-torn nations. Uh, She says it's the false prospect of a Safe journey. Yeah, Maloney's right-wing government has vowed to stop migrant arrivals and it recently introduced new rules to limit rescues. The Italian coast is a hotspot for arrivals of those looking for a better life in Europe, but it's a dangerous stretch. The United Nations has recorded more than 20,000 deaths and disappearances in the central Mediterranean since 2014. Claire, we probably don't need to tell anyone who's tried to rent a place in Oz in recent times that the market is tight. And that's been backed up by numbers from research firm PropTrack. It puts the national rental vacancy rate below 2% and also says prices rose by more than 10% last year. And Alice, of course, you and I have spoken about this a bit because I'd dearly love for you to move to Sydney and work with me here, but you own your home in Adelaide <laughs> and you're looking at the Sydney rental market and going, absolutely no way. <laughs> but look, when it comes to uh, the market right across the country, uh, nine out of the top 10 rent increases were in regional areas across Australia. Uh, economist Anne Flattery says that the rental price hikes uh, that we're seeing are staggering um, Uh, But for her, it's the speed that it's happening. She says it's far outpacing what we historically see. Uh, And what the experts say is those increases uh, have been put down to strong demand that's been supercharged by a slowdown in construction activity. And that also includes former city siders moving to the regions, Claire. That's outpriced many locals, as well as international students returning to study in Oz. Advocacy groups say that as a result, the growing face of homelessness is single women aged over 55 years old. If you can believe it, it's a year on from the devastating floods that hit the Northern Rivers region of New South Wales. That area and plenty of others were smashed by floods across last year, but what went down on the 28th of February 2022 was unprecedented. Yeah, we throw around unprecedented a bit, but it truly was in this case. Mm. Um, Some remarkable stats and facts that made me sit up in my chair a bit. Uh, The Northern Rivers floods were the most expensive disaster in Australian history. It was also our biggest since Cyclone Tracy in 1974. Uh, And it was the second costliest event in the world for insurers in 2022. Uh, Of course, a lot of that comes down to what happened in the city of Lismore going under. Uh, Researchers say that about 15 to 20,000 people were affected in Lismore. And fast forward to today, about half of those are living in the shells of their home, uh, while the rest are in caravans, tents, uh, in friends' homes, uh, or given what we've just talked about, uh, they've been able to find one of the few rental properties available Yeah, so many locals and businesses are still trying to get back on their feet after that disaster too. There's also an election coming up in New South Wales in March, so expect a bit of criticism of the state coalition government's response to that disaster as well today. 
This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super, one of Australia's most awarded super funds. It can be hard to know where the best place to grow your super is, but with awards like CanStar's Outstanding Value three years in a row and Money Magazine's 2024 Ultra Long-Term Performance, Aware Super's 1.1 million members can be confident their super is in good hands. Visit aware.com.au forward slash awards to find out more. Awards are only one consideration. Read the PDS and TMD on the website. Claire, the Screen Actor Guild Awards, or the SAG Awards as they're affectionately known, have come and gone for 2023. And an award season favourite has struck gold again. Everything, everywhere, all at once took out several of the top categories. Have you seen that one? I have. I love it. Yeah. It's pretty chaotic (laughs) and it took me a little bit to sort of get into the zone, but I absolutely enjoyed it as well. Um, Michelle Yeoh won Best Actress. Uh, As for Best Actor, that went to Brendan Fraser. He, of course, has been talked about quite a bit for his performance in The Whale, uh, something that they're saying might get a bit of a green light when it comes to Oscars time. Uh, as for the small screen, which the SAG Awards also recognise, uh, Jason Bateman won Best Actor in a Drama for his turn in the final season of Ozark. Uh, meanwhile, Jennifer Coolidge, who of course is a bit of a crowd favourite, uh, she received Best Actress for White Lotus. And as for comedy, we're no experts, but Jeremy Allen White won Best Actor in a TV Comedy for The Bear. I found The Bear really, really great, but I didn't think it was a comedy. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, there you go. And a bit more of a comedy. Jean Smart won for her role in the comedy drama Hacks, which is very well deserved. Mm. And for those who mainly want to flick through the red carpet looks, I'll pop a link to a gallery in the episode notes. Squiz the day, Claire. China's receiving an international guest today. Yeah, Belarusian leader Alexander Lukashenko is in China for a state visit. Uh, He's a big supporter of Russia's and we'll be keeping an eye on how all that goes down. Claire, you sure know how to have a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy, I know. And that wraps us up this morning. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in your ears tomorrow. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.